Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth generation road builder that started on a shovel and now serves as the chief operating officer at Buildwood. This is the Ariat Dirt World Summit Series, where we will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and builds a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Join us as we sit down with some of the brightest minds and trailblazers in the construction industry. Our guests are leaders who have navigated the trenches, built businesses, cultivated strong teams, and fostered innovation to build the infrastructure that shapes our world. From technology, equipment, suppliers, and contractors, their experiences and insights will inspire, empower professionals at every level. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Alex Kraft, the innovative founder of Heave.co, an app that connects you with on-demand heavy equipment technicians. Alex's professional experience has provided unique insight into the opportunity to innovate and help nudge the old school heavy equipment industry into the new age. It's one thing to discover a problem. It's another to actually live that problem day after day and understand the intricacies that make the entire industry work. Given his background of serving the construction equipment space for almost 20 years, I'm excited to talk with our guest, Alex. Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. Hey, Jason. Good to be here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. Where, uh, where are you calling from today? Balmy, Tampa, Florida, ah. where it's about 109 degrees with the, uh, <laughs> the heat index right now. Ah, I can't imagine working in the dirt world in this heat uh, out there today. So thoughts are with everyone who's out there getting after it. Uh, no you know, hey, Much respect. <laughs> totally, totally. Lots of respect for the field crews. Hey, uh, you know, this is going to be a great conversation. Want to learn a little bit more about you. Want to understand about your background, how you got into the industry. We'll talk a little bit about business, uh, how the business is doing. We'll talk leadership and workforce development, and then we'll wrap it up with the Ariat Dirt World Summit. So as we get started, tell me a little bit about yourself. Give me a little background on your story and how you got into the dirt world. Sure. Um, got into the dirt world completely by accident. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's like a lot of people, although, uh, you know, from just learning about you, fourth generation, that's pretty impressive. I, I look forward to asking you about that. Um, got into it by accident. I uh, was a collegiate athlete, played basketball. Uh, s similar story to many others, I'm sure. I tear my knee. Uh, and then basketball, which I was planning on being a, a future, probably less likely, or it was going to take a lot longer to get there maybe than I was able to commit to. So, uh, you know, knew someone who knew someone uh, who it was more of an opportunity for me at the young age of 23 to move to South Beach, Miami. <laughs> and then... Got a job with a heavy equipment dealer selling heavy equipment in South Beach. So not uh, – it wasn't a bad deal, you know, being 23, living on South Beach uh, in that area. I was from the Northeast, so it was like, uh, you know, unbelievable experience at that young age. But that's how I got into the dirt world. Love it. That sounds incredible. And uh, how long have you been at your current organization, Heave? So three years. Uh, so we, uh, so the dealership that I worked for, we were a Volvo branded dealership, covered the state of Florida. And then for about a 10 year period, we also had the Volvo territory in Eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York City. Uh, so 
that was that was my experience. I worked through the organization, all different levels. I was the chief operating officer for the company the last two and a half years. And then our dealership was sold right at the onset of COVID. And that's when, uh, as I was trying to think about my next move, uh, came up with the idea for Heave at that time. Sounds great. So tell me, what is Heave? So today we are different than what we started, uh, which is uh, not uncommon uh, amongst founders. You know, my original idea was um, you know, just overall, like, like kind of your lead in is that this industry has not had a lot of innovation. The way things are done today is the way things were done 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And so uh, COVID was happening and you know, having started as an equipment salesman, it, it was amazing to me that you couldn't order equipment online. Uh, you know, and so many of these customers are very, you know, they're educated about equipment. There wasn't, there wasn't much that you're gonna tell a customer like, hey, uh, did you see these features on this wheel loader? Like they, they run them, they run them every day. And so we started more with that, but what we quickly or not so quickly uh, realized was what is the true customer pain? And it's in the service area. And so Heave is, you know, we call it Uber for heavy equipment service uh, yeah. or on-demand heavy equipment mechanics. So contractors like, you know, the, your family company, road builders, you run loaders, excavators, pavers. When machines go down, you don't have to call into a dealer anymore. You can open up a Heave app. Uh, I've got a Cat 938 wheel loader. It has a def issue. Request service. And we show you the customer. Here's three or four um, heavy equipment me mechanics. They're available in these times. Who would you like to book? And so that's what we're doing. We are you know, all field service, and the goal is to continue providing mechanics who are qualified, insured uh, for all brands uh, to customers within 24 or 48 hours. So they don't have to wait a week or so for the next field tech. That's great. So, so who are the Heave technicians, and how do you know if they're any good or not? <laughs> good question. Um, Today, what you find is that most heave technicians, a high percentage, call it 80, 85 percent, are former dealership technicians. You know, they started working for the cat dealer, they started working for the deer dealer or the Komatsu dealer. And uh, for a variety of reasons, you know, everybody has a different story, uh, decided that, you know what, I want to go out and be and own my own business. And they operate in the, they've been operating in the market, in their market independently. You know, working on, you know, what you find is a very small group of customers equipment, like at, at the, at their core, they're mechanics. They're not necessarily marketers or salespeople. And so what you find is that they have, they probably started working on the same group of five or six customers that they used to work on when they were at the dealership. And, you know, they learn about what we're doing. And now it, we're giving them access to a much larger group of customers, you know, that need service. That's fantastic. And so what brands can they work with or what products can they sure. work on when it comes to that? And so we pride ourselves on any brand. Like we've, we've fixed cats, road techs, Hom, um, you know, Deers, Komatsus, Volvos, Takahuchi, Bobcat, you know, all brands. We fixed uh, a couple cranes. Uh, I, I, I would not have guessed that within our first six months we would have fixed a crane. 
Yeah, we really started out uh, primarily with earth moving equipment because that's what I knew very well. Um, but uh, as soon as customers experienced our app and found out what we were doing, we were getting pulled into on highway trucks. You know, customers will put in for a Freightliner or a Peterbilt, uh, put in for a little skid steer or, like I said, up to a crane. So it, yeah. the, that's uh, it's been a little bit surprising how fast it's happened, but uh, it's been an amazing ride so far. So how are parts handled uh, on Heave Jobs? Sure. Uh, parts are handled the normal everyday way that they are uh, through the dealership typically. Uh, you know, like many, many contractors have their own mechanics. And so like when I was at the dealership, it, it wasn't uh, uncommon for a customer to come in, pick up their own parts, and we weren't providing the service. So it's the same way that it works for our app. Like our technician, when they're booked, they go out to the job site, they diagnose it, the machine, and they tell the customer, hey, you need these three parts. What would you like to do? Would you like me to order them for you, or would you like to order them on your account with the dealer? Most of the times they order them on their own account with the dealer. We go pick them up and then finish the job. That's incredible. You know, we talk about the dirt world uh, all the time. It's a made up phrase that, you know, Aaron Witt has put together and uh, we try to explain it uh, in, in simple terms. We call it, you know, all things infrastructure construction. Sure. Uh, curious, you know, with Heave, I assume you guys are spanning multiple business segments, different industries. Uh, pretty pretty wide. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, anybody who runs equipment, you know that's uh, whether they're a lance. I met with a landscaper this morning. You know, landfills run equipment, big road contractors, uh, utility contractors. You know, anybody who's running a loader, an excavator. You know, now on highway trucks. You know, those are those are our customers. Anybody who is, you know, in the infrastructure game. So what's the catch? It's like. You know, download the app on iOS or Android and, you know, is there a fee? Is there, is it just, you know, pay for what you use? How does it, how does it work? Uh, I'm not familiar with a catch yet. We got to come up with one. <laughs> I love uh, it. It's I simple. just figured that the audience is sitting around going, man, this sounds too good to be true. What I can are, download an app. Days we're going to come up with a catch. I'm going to think I of can it. find no. somebody in a matter of no time. Come <laughs> fix my stuff. Get me back running. I'm like. What's the catch? So no, I just it's, to make uh, sure. Look, for customers, download the app, request service. You know, we don't change anything in the uh, in terms of like the general business environment. Customers request service, they can book a technician, and then when the repair's done, Heave invoices the customer. We invoice on standard net thirty day terms. Yeah. yeah, it's simple for for the mechanics and the technicians themselves. Like we don't charge them a monthly fee. We don't charge them. Uh, a subscription fee they by signing up on our network we vet them make sure that they have valid insurance so they have to send us a copy of their general liability policy you know they have tools and they have a truck uh, and then they have to opt into the job you know and so that's the on-demand there's some interesting nuances in the marketplace that I think uh, help set us apart from like the traditional experience and that's one of the things like Technicians just get visibility within their area of jobs. And then if they don't have the right tools or like, hey, like we have a guy in Houston, you know, he was a former deer, to, uh, deer dealer technician. He's really not comfortable in anything outside of deer. So he doesn't respond to anything. So the deer jobs that come through, he'll he'll confirm. But, you know, it's it's what it, we, we mean it that way. Like however much you want to work, you can go work through the Heave app 
and uh, and just there's plenty of work out there. Curious, how many technicians do you have out there? <laughs> a growing amount. So we've had, I think now, over 40 different techs invoice a job. You know, we're so we're operational today in Florida and Texas. I think that's important first to state. So. Florida and Texas, we're doing service work every day. We've done some work in some other pockets like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and you know, we'll have customers ask us if we can do jobs for them. Uh, but we've got about 120 technicians that are pre-qualified set up in our app. We just don't have customer demand in certain markets yet. So got we're it. always gonna try to stay ahead of where we have customers requesting service by trying to qualify and vet technicians in other markets. Makes a lot of sense. What's one question I haven't asked about Heave that I should have asked and what's the answer? Oh, that is a good question. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, um, sorry. I kind of threw you off there a little bit. You know what? One thing that I that I'll hear from it's kind of like back to the catch thing, right? So the people some people I find will have a uh, a perception that an independent heavy equipment technician is a lesser technician. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that one. I, I can tell you that by function of someone having their own company, an LLC and being independent, we find that they're just as qualified, if not more than a dealership technician, because they have to be, they, it's their name on the truck. Like if, if, they run the risk every day. If they don't do a good job, then they won't be rehired. And yeah. that's just not the case in the traditional dealership setting, right? Like there's a brand behind someone. And so and these individuals, they have to be able to work on multiple brands. You can't necessarily specialize because you're really limiting your earning potential that way. That's good. That's good. Appreciate you sharing all that. Sounds like an incredible opportunity uh, for people in the dirt world. And you've got a huge growth opportunity as a business uh, as you move forward. So really excited to have you uh, as a part of this. Yeah, we're we're very excited to be partners with with your team. You know, it's um, the question obviously is, well, why? You know, because for marketing purposes, like you can choose to spend your money in a lot of different ways for us. Um, this industry is a little antiquated and f in, in my opinion, you're the perfect partner because you are appealing to the companies that want to do something different, that don't, that kind of want to break away from the, well, this is the way it's been done forever. It's never going to change. And so it makes a lot of sense for us to reach out and, and participate because your core audience are the customers, the contractors in the different areas who, who are looking for something different, who are trying to say, hey, you know what, maybe there's a different way, a better way or a new way. And so it makes a lot of yeah. sense for us as a technology company and someone who's trying to innovate and bring a different way to, to the industry to partner with you guys. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's definitely some tried and true ways of doing things, but it's time to evolve as mm -hmm. an industry. And this is just one of those ways that I think people will be looking into as we move forward. You know, it kind of leads me into thinking about, you know, the Dirt World Summit and you talk about partnership and, you know, coming together. We, we've been talking about this challenge of workforce development for, you know, a number of years and trying to figure out what's the solution. And there's been a lot of stats that are out there, um, 
you know, ABC report said 560,000 new people are needed in the construction industry this year. And by the year 2031, 40% of the industry is going to retire. And so it's always been this, this is what's coming, but now it's here. It's here Mm -hmm. this year, 2023 Right. right now. And so as we think about, uh, you know, this challenge, BuildWit has really focused in on what we call the people life cycle of how to attract, onboard and hire, train and retain, you know, great people, ultimately building brand and culture around it. And the summit was, you know, just this concept and idea of let's unite the, the you know, the industry. Let's come together as as organizations and people to really tackle this problem together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're looking at it, you know, in two ways. One is how do we build leaders? So let's talk about leadership and, and what that looks like. So let's take care of those that we have and let, let's make sure that we're creating a place that people want to be. Mm-hmm. And let's also, you know, focus on learning and growing and, and building that workforce development where we're, we're bringing in new people and giving them the tools that they need. So mm-hmm. I want to jump into leadership for a minute, you know, talk to me for a minute about, you know, what qualities do you believe make a great leader uh, in this industry? Yeah. So my views on leadership have changed quite okay, a bit. Cool. Um, when I was younger, so I always played athletics. I was always in a leadership position. I was a captain of like every team that I've ever um, been a part of. And since working in business, my views have changed tremendously. And I, I do think that overall, like in the last 10, 15 years, leadership has changed, like our views on leadership for the better. Like, you know, I can remember back uh, athletically, leadership to me was, you know, someone barking orders. And uh, it was usually like, uh, you don't question anything. It was, you do this, and if you don't do this, uh, you can't, then I'm gonna find somebody else who will. And so that was how I was raised, right? And then you get into a position of leadership. And I think for my views, in many ways have always like I'm a I think I'm a good observer and so I've learned just as much watching people do things incorrectly as I have learned doing things myself uh, so I've always kind of taken mental notes of oof, uh, what I didn't like about people who are in leadership positions so that if I when I got it to that role that I would act the opposite in many ways um, and but leadership to me as it's evolved is being able to, um, yeah, cliche time, right? But get buy-in. But uh, when I was put into a role of leadership at a young age, what I learned was it's important to let people know what you don't know. You know, because when you're working with people alongside them every day, like you number, you have to be authentic, and you can only fool people for so long. And if you present yourself in a certain way, like as an authority on something, you know, people are going to find out at some point you don't know what you're talking about. And then you kind of lose, you lose credibility. And so to me, it starts with being authentic. uh, And then it's okay to tell people like, look, my strengths are this. This is where I need your help. And I think people have more respect for you that way. And then they feel more a part of it. Like you have to get, you have to get people engaged. They're not just going to follow you because you tell them what to do. 
And so, you know, the other things I think are really important are people have to believe truly that you care about their performance. You want them to excel. You want them to contribute and you want them and you have to mean it too. You have to, uh, you have to back up with actions. You can't just tell someone that, Hey, I'm interested in you, you know, being a high performer. You have to help them become one. And by doing those things, I think, is what uh, the foundations of great leadership are. Yeah, it reminds me of that quote, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I also know um, your organization, your guys are big fans of Jocko. Like, that's one of the best, that's one of the best leadership books I've ever uh, read, Extreme Ownership. Um, I... I gave that out uh, to team members of the former company I used to work for, I had them read chapters about it. And it, he does a great job of um, going back, like a good leader is always able to assess the situation. Like, do they need more from me at this moment or do they need less from me at this moment? Um, you know, getting them to come up with the plan so that they're then accountable for the results. Uh, like those types of things, you know, have all that have played a big part in how I choose to lead as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, love Jocko's books. Super excited to see him at the summit uh, there for the mini muster and uh, it, his entire echelon front team. You know, I follow them on social and it's interesting because at BuildWit, we give out extreme ownership as well. And, you know, we talk about the four laws of combat and you know, we're thinking through every decision and um, really trying to think through our values, but also, you know, just really stopping and checking the ego and, and, and thinking through what's the right thing to do at this particular point in time. So super excited to, uh, to have Jocko uh, at the event and it's going to be an incredible experience. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, um, so yeah, like putting ego aside, right? So I'm, I'm thinking yeah. back to some of the uh, the poor leaders that I've served under that always kind of um, I always remembered like I've worked with people who I don't think I've ever heard them say that they made a mistake before or I don't think I've ever heard them say you know what that was my bad you know, I made the wrong call there and so like these are all things that uh, are very important to me it's like you have to have an environment where people like where you can say like hey I screwed that one up because uh, otherwise you create, like, I've worked in plenty of organizations where it's all political. Like those are the worst environments. They're toxic. Everyone's blaming everyone else. Uh, no one's taking an accountability. And then, you know, there's never, that's why nothing ever changes is because if no one has ever amount, you know, owned up to a mistake, then nothing's ever going to change. And so yeah. like those are all were very formative experiences for me. It's interesting as you're talking about these lessons and, and, and ideas um, they can be put into practice and create an environment where people are following, you know, the, the rules of engagement and mm -hmm. making it a place where people want to be. So yeah. I'm curious, like, how do you go about leading in a way at your organization, you know, to, to make it a place that people want to be, uh, to, to start changing that paradigm and, yeah, it's about like applying all of those lessons that I've learned. So we're a technology company, right? I don't yeah. know the first thing about coding <laughs> and engineering yeah. software. So so we have like a uh, an equipment side of the house here and we have a technology side of the house. And so 
you know, I don't pretend to know about how to code or I tell people what to do on that side. So uh, it's creating the environment where those individuals like feel like, hey, they're valued, like that they have total control over what they're doing. Like I give them the, it's a vision, right? Yeah, that's what was has made this whole journey fun for me over the last three years is I, I've got to tell the people with our team like, hey, this is how the industry works. Like, I think it's kind of kind of dumb that if you have a machine that's down, that you have to call in on a landline to a service department. I think that's dumb. Like, there's got to be a better way. And so I like lay out like how the industry works. And I'm like, hey, can we make it where a customer can just order service through an app? And then this team is yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And then they go build it. Like, that's been really fun. And yeah. the, those, the members of our team on that side feel really impactful. Like, they're helping to change an entire industry in the way it operates. And, you know, by giving them the vision, by saying, hey, I, don't, I can't tell you how we're going to get there, but this is how it works. And then you guys can build the solution. And so they're a part of it. And they feel like every day they're doing something that matters that's great we've talked a little bit about what not to do is there a leader out there that's positively you know impacted your your career uh and what was it that inspired you about that leader um i've had a few uh i've had uh some coaches in the past like uh so i played for a guy who's now the head coach at richmond university in virginia his name's chris mooney he was uh, incredible um, as a coach, as a mentor. It, he has some similar characteristics as some other business people I've worked for. There's, I don't know if you know any people like this, but um, there's, there are people where no matter if it's a good time or a very bad, like a tough trying time, they always seem to know the right thing to say at that moment. Mm. Um, I've, I've worked for a couple of people like that. Uh, and I've played for, and I think that's a really important skill to have is like to know, to recognize the moment and then what the team needs to hear. Uh, and sometimes what they tell you isn't what you expect. Like I remember, um, like going back to school, like we were a really good basketball team and we come out of the gates and we had really high expectations and we lost our first two games. And we, were, we had notoriously very difficult practices. Uh, and so, like, it was a Sunday. We had just lost our second game in a row to start the season. And we're all like, oh, no, we're dreading this. Like, this is going to be the worst practice of our lives. And he, I remember he walks in and he had a football. And he's like, you know what? We're not even going to shoot basketball. We're not even going to play basketball today. We're just going to pick teams and we're going to play football today. And I was like, huh. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like he completely removed the pressure and it was not expected. And then I think we went out and won like 18 in a row or something stupid like that. Yeah. So there it, make, are, it makes me think about emotional intelligence, yeah. you know, and situational awareness and reading the room. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it sounds like an incredible leader. And there, there's, I, I've been around a few people like that and it's a gift. It's a gift to know what the team needs at that moment. And some people are the opposite, right? Some people double down on like, oh no, he's going to yell louder <laughs> or yell more. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. 
So when it comes to workforce development, you know, whether it's developing existing people or, you know, trying to attract people into the industry and training, give me, just give me your rundown on where we are as an industry and any thoughts that you've got around that. Sure. Um, you know, this isn't going to be a shock and it's not, it's nothing new to you guys, right? I think the industry, the story is, uh, grossly undertold, um, you know, to me, and this is why I stayed in the industry. I, you know, because when we when the dealership was sold, or even before that point, like I could have left, I could have done other things, but I always liked the industry. I liked the people within it. You know, the blue collar nature. You're dealing with real people. They produce real things of value that touch all of our lives. You know, roads and housing developments and shopping centers and um, and you know, it's just it's not told enough the impact of uh, what the people in the industry produce for our culture. Uh, what we're doing, because this is a major part for Heave, is, um, you know, obviously, so we have a labor, in essence, it's a labor marketplace, right? It's customer can hire skilled labor to fix their equipment. Um, I, I'll draw a, a similarity. You know, we just hired a software engineer. You know, software engineering is all the rage. You know, teach your kids to code. It, why do people tell them that? It's because it's people believe it's going to be in demand for the next however many years, right? Which is true. And you can make a great wage. You know, I can tell you right now what I just hired, what we hired a software engineer for. <laughs> it's not cheap. Now, workforce development in this industry, I believe that heavy equipment technicians are engineers, they are highly skilled. To me, there's really no difference between them and a, a high-value uh, software engineer. And what we want to do, you know, if we can keep driving successfully forward, is like, hey, we enable heavy equipment technicians to achieve a much higher wage, right? And uh, you can you see that you know, the the reason why uh, heavy equipment techs go independent is to double and triple their income that they were making at the prior place. And so if we can bring more demand into the marketplace and make it more uh, visible, then we give these individuals uh, a chance to earn closer to the, what the market pays for their services. That's fantastic. So are you having trouble finding uh, mechanics and technicians? Uh, not really. You know, it's always... I don't say that like flippantly, like, oh no, like we're always going to have to keep recruiting more. Like you ask at this current moment in time, we are well positioned to support a good increase in customer demand for equipment service. And then we just have to keep, you know, we have certain metrics. Like I know what the metrics are. I know where, like how many field technicians exist for a dealership and how many customers they have. So I know how many field technicians we need to have in a market to support X amount of customers because the most important thing for us is that is decreasing downtime is can we continue getting a field tech out to that customer within 24, 48 hours? If we ever get to the point where it's a week, then we're no different than what the existing uh, offer is. So, you know, today we have plenty for you know to support demand and then as we keep growing we'll need to keep adding 
That's good. That's really good. Um, so whether it's at Heave or just the industry as a whole, you can speak on either either side of it. What's the biggest challenge facing the workforce? Um, like I said, like it's the story. It's it's people don't understand the opportunities available um, because I think that's what it, it drives so many decisions. It's um, you know what what could the potential be if you step into this role? What could so, what that could look like? So what can the industry do to 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 start telling their story? Whether it's social, whether it's online, whether it's, you know, what are the things, what are some of the companies that are out there that are doing it really, really well? And, you know, in order to, for us to unite and to start really making a difference, it's one thing for a few to start doing some stuff sure. that's really connecting with the next generation. But, you know, you've got a chance to, to really start sharing. What do you think are those things yeah. that we need to be doing to make a difference? So I think it's kind of funny, right? Like uh, a lot of contractors, they are always they've always been close-lipped right they don't like to talk about themselves for some reason i don't know um but like those companies need to you know learn to market right and tell their story this is what we did like the you know we just we just helped 500 families you know move into a house you know we built that <laughs> that uh that housing development um you know you guys are at the forefront of it right yeah. uh i think also there's our society is becoming more educated that, you know, college isn't necessarily the be all end all, right? Like, I think that's, there's been a real awareness moment for uh, our, uh, our culture here. Like, Hey, yeah, everybody's in tremendous amounts of debt and what to have a philosophy degree, <laughs> what can you do with that? <laughs> so, uh, I think it's, I think I see more awareness coming. It's just to me, it's just keep beating that drum, keep sharing um, the stories about what is produced and the benefit to overall society. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. Great thoughts on leadership and workforce development. You're going to see us talk a lot about like, hey, you know, because I, I wonder like if, if people knew like, hey, you could make 200 grand a year or more as a heavy equipment technician. Do you think more people would try to pursue that career? Bingo. I think so. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. It's, you know, that transparency is something that, you know, for years it's been kind of quiet, uh, protect and defend, you know, kind of just uh, come to work, do your job, you know, kind of, up. but showing the industry what those career paths are, the direction that they can go, um, where they start, how they learn and grow on the go, you know, uh, the mentoring and leadership that they're going to be provided. I, I think that things are changing and uh, for the better and uh really excited to see uh where this thing goes but it's people like you that are you know out front telling your story uh you know jumping on board at the at the dirt world summit you know really trying to get people uh more aware uh, as to what a great industry this is that's going to really make a difference mm -hmm. so as we transition and start to talk a little bit about uh you know the dirt world summit I, i'm curious you you touched upon it earlier but would like for you to kind of double back on you know, why did you sponsor the summit and what are you most excited about? Uh, I'm most excited about because we'll, so that'll be October. You know, we'll have been in the market now, you know, for almost a year. Yeah, I'm excited about meeting customers and sharing with them our story and what we can do. Because it's not, we're not new anymore, right? We're, 
we're proving it every day. And it's just being in an audience with like-minded people. Like I said, I love what we love about uh, the Dirt World Summit and, and the Build With People are it, it's, a, it's a community of companies who are open, who want to get better, you know, who want to innovate. And so it's just what you learn is when, whatever you product you have or whatever company you're starting, you don't want to waste time banging your head against a wall with people who just don't want to hear it or aren't open to the message. And so, you know, because that's how things change too and move forward is you get enough of those people who are on the same page and who want to innovate that you get enough of them together and then that's how you move forward. So that's what we're excited about with, with the summit. I love it. You know, day one, there's some options. You've got the Dirt World Open, which is going to be the golf outing that we're having uh, at the Golf Club of Houston. It's uh, all the funds uh, that we raised there is going to go to Dream On 3, uh, which we're really excited, uh, you know, about that and, and working with those teams. And then there's some workshops uh, on day one that people can choose from. Day two is the full muster uh, uh, or the uh, mini muster with Jocko Willink and Echelon Front. And then day three, we've got an incredible lineup, you know, going through the phases that we've been talking about, you know, attracting, hiring, uh, training and retaining great people Some with some incredible speakers like Bob Chapman, who wrote the book Everybody Matters. We've got Joe Hart, uh, the CEO of Dale Carnegie. We've got Dave Turin. We've got Marcus Sheridan, uh, who wrote the, the book They Ask, You Answer. So it's a, it's a really cool agenda, you know, fully packed is there anything in the agenda that you know i know we talked about jocko already but is there anything sure. in the agenda that kind of gets you excited yeah the leadership stuff like i think um you know leadership uh, it's hard for companies to train leaders so like when you have this kind of opportunity to go and and really like be exposed to that those type of people who do it uh like that's something that um, stood out to me, you know, I am a voracious reader. I, I consume a ton of podcasts. Like I'm always, uh, looking to learn. So, you know, having those types of resources in one room over the course of a couple of days, absolutely. Uh, that's cool. Piques my interest. Yeah. Well, and you've said it before, but you know, the networking that's going to happen, the peers that you're going to be able to talk to, you know, just learning and, uh, you know, from each of them, like, Hey, what are you doing? What are what challenges are you having? What are you overcoming? How are you doing it? I think those conversations, you know, the speaker lineup is great. The agenda is great. But to your point that you've made several times is like, get the right people in the room and good things are going to happen. Definitely. And I think too, there's a benefit of it being people from all over. I think sometimes when you have like a very local setting, like if everybody is there from the same area, People don't share as much because they compete against each other. Right. Uh, whereas if you open it up and you have people from all over, it's a more honest exchange of ideas because you're not, you don't feel like you're competing with those individuals. Absolutely. Well, Alex, I can't thank you enough for your sponsorship, for your support, for your openness, uh, for your transparency, for sharing your thoughts and ideas about leadership and workforce development. We are really excited to see you. Uh, at the summit in Houston this October. And uh, this wraps up another Ariat Dirt World Summit Series podcast. 
Uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable leadership and workforce development insights. Uh, we hope you'll join us uh, in Houston this October. And uh, the summit will feature engaging panel discussions, hands-on workshops, inspiring keynote speakers, all focused on equipping you with the tools and strategies to drive success in the construction industry. You can visit dirtworld.com to learn more about it. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building leaders, projects, and communities. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Look forward to the summit. Thank you.